So we can begin by saying, hey, everybody, this is the Enemy Slime Podcast. It's episode number 177. I'm your usual host, Jared, and I'm joined today by Mr. Lucio Lorenzino. Hey, everybody. I have Mr. Trevor Bowles. How's it going? And we have special guest, Mr. Teresa Duringer. <laughs> Mr. Ahoy. Oh, ahoy. Uh, I got your name right, right? It's been two years since I said it out loud last. I mean, did you call me Mr. <laughs> Teresa? That's did I, what I heard. Did I say Mr.? <laughs> yeah, you did. <laughs> Shit. You God, maybe there's something. I don't know. God just damn too, it. Just too used to the, the dudes. Ah, it's just been... Uh, I, when was the last time we even... When was the last time we had a woman on the podcast? I don't know, man. Michael's not here. He's the one. That's, <laughs> it's been a really long time. So it's I'm, been at least uh, a couple of years. Well, I'm sorry. We're not. We're not re-recording that. That was a terrible job, though. Uh, Teresa's here from from Temple Gates uh, Games, and uh, I. We are incredibly privileged to have her here, uh, despite us calling her a Mister, uh, because she actually just barely, like just hours ago, released uh, her her latest game on Steam. Uh, which is a, a a digital version of Race for the Galaxy. Is that right? Yes, that is right. Um, this is a game that was originally by uh, Tom Lehman, who's one of my favorite board game designers. And I think I actually was listening to our, our last podcast we did, and I was talking about how much of a fan I am of this game. Yeah. And it was like, oh my gosh, that was three years ago. And uh, and since then, I uh, me and my team made it uh, for PC and mobile and we just shipped it today, so kind of a crazy day, but uh, I'm happy to Congrats. just have a second. That's awesome. And, yeah, congratulations. Yeah. Lucio had commented the same thing. He said he went back and was listening to our uh, original podcast with you, and uh, he he was he he specifically mentioned that you had you had called out Race for the Galaxy as uh, one of your favorite games, and that is super. Yeah. That is so so cool that you you know went from talking to us. I'm sure we were the cause. It had to be. Uh, yeah, of to, course. To uh, to you know, getting a chance to work on that. Um, is it the game? The game's actually uh, cross-platform, so it's out on PC, and, and it looked like there was uh, mobile versions as well. Is that right? Yeah. So the mobile version just came out last month, and it's out for Android and um, iPhone, uh-huh. and it works on tablets too, like uh, iPad and Android tablets. And uh, and the cool thing is, it's all cross-platform multiplayer. So if you're on PC, you can still play with people on your um on their iPhones um and we just rolled out a new update that has device linking so you can kind of transfer your uh, multiplayer games and your account stuff um between devices if you have it on your PC or your phone or whatever okay very nice that's very cool so, that's pretty yeah. awesome so let's uh well let's let's just uh, keep exploring this then and and go back a little bit so well, before we continue i have to say that go for it jay has sent to me five proclamations from the great beyond of Scotland. Uh, so I'm going to read them at some point in the podcast, but I'll just give you one so that you can have an idea of the things that are going on in his mind. Um, so the Wait, first one Scotland? is... He's in, he's in Scotland, yeah. He's in Scotland nice. right now, because why not? Why wouldn't Doing he deep thinking and giving us his proclamations. All right. <laughs> the first one is, Sonic the Hedgehog might not be on top now, and neither is Destiny's Child. But hold out hope, and they might both be again. 
So I think those are very wise words. Wise words. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Uh, thanks, Jay. <laughs> thanks, Jay. Thanks for. Thanks for. Uh, There's four more of these, and I'm here. So. <laughs> so you found a way to be on the podcast, even though he couldn't be on the podcast. So that's, that's what yep. you're saying. It's amazing yes. how he tied it in so well, too, like to the conversation. <laughs> he knew exactly. He knew exactly what we were talking about, uh, and that was actually that, <laughs> he's been on a lot of these. So you know. That, right, of course. That was going to be my first question uh, to you, Teresa, is um, how do you feel about Sonic and what's going on with him? That's <laughs> not, not where we're headed. But uh, no, actually, I, I, I'm most curious about what I've wanted to ask from the get go is how did you land this 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 gig? Like, did you did you reach out to Rio Grande or did they reach out to you? Or like, how did you how did you do this? Um. Well, like it's. Hmm. I guess I ha- like obviously I'm a huge fan of the game. I was talking about it with you guys three years ago, and um, <clears throat> since then I-, I worked on this other board game, which was Ascension. Um, which uh, I mean I didn't work on the board game, but I did the VR version of that. So I had a little bit of like digitized board game experience, and then I was um, playing this Windows client that was made by a fan. Um, named Keldon Jones. Mm-hmm. And that was like this free open source client that you could um, just play Race to the Galaxy on. And um, <clears throat> I played it tens, like probably a thousand or more games. And then eventually I just was like, hmm, like I'd really like this on my phone. It'd be so great. And I, uh, I like LinkedIn stalked <laughs> the designer. And then I found out we had a, a mutual connection in a, like a ballroom dancing group that I'm in. And he put me wow. in touch and I was like, Hey, you should let me make your game. And I, sh- I went to his, uh, he had like this epic board game night with, um, uh, what, oh, shoot. I'm blanking on his name. Um, the guy who did, uh, the adventure game, what's his name? Um, adventure game. There's so many that I could say. Ron Gilbert. Uh, Ron Gilbert was where I wanted to Don, go Don, Don Woods. Don Woods. He's like a classic uh, game designer. And anyways, it was him and Tom Lehman and their friends. And they had this like crazy board game library with like slidey ladders and like floor to ceiling board games on all these like wooden shelves. It was gorgeous and played games, pitched, making race. And he seemed to be open to it. So, hmm. so yeah, that's how it started. Interestingly enough, uh, I actually knew about the Keldon uh, AI as well um, because so I bought Race and and one of the reasons why I bought it was because if you get the expansions, it has a solitaire uh, mode that you can play and you have to like you have to like roll dice to determine what what the AI is not the right word. But, you know, like you you can basically play the card game like the physical card game by yourself. (laughs) Oh yeah, I've totally done that. Yeah, I'm that cool. So uh, <laughs> uh, I actually have a couple games like that. Do you know? Do you know Agricola? <clears throat> yeah, I play that. I played that this morning. <laughs> yep. Yeah. So I have Agricola too, and I have it for exactly that reason. I don't think I've ever played it with another living person. I think. Oh my I've, god. I've only less less podcast. Less podcast. Dog promised you he would. Well, play those games with you. He did, did he? Well, I can tell you right he now. Liked? I can tell you right now that has not happened. Uh, he never trusts dog. I'm very much in the same situation here. But anyway, I, I, I picked up, uh, I, I picked up uh, race, and I picked up both the expansions so that I could play this like solitaire mode, and I was 
totally overwhelmed by by what I was getting into because I mean I don't know what your perception is with the game but uh, I think that uh, there's a pretty big barrier to entry and most of it revolves around symbols like the game relies <laughs> the game relies so heavily on symbols and uh, just just looking them up and learning what all the cards mean is just it's a little bit of a time investment. And uh, so I kind of gave up and, and then eventually it, it just sat on my shelf forever and I went and found the uh, AI and that made just a world of difference. Like playing that made kind of everything click and now I feel like I have a pretty good grip on the game. I'm not really in a hurry to play against you, uh, but like I feel like I can I feel like I can do okay against the easiest AI <laughs> there is. Um, but anyway, what I was going to say is... Uh, Obviously, your version is, you know, leagues ahead of the the Kelden one, um, particularly because you can, you know, of course, play against other people and things like that. Um, was there any was there anything that you kind of like lifted from that version? Uh, oh yeah, like, like totally. What what kinds of stuff carried over? So uh, so the Kelden one is kind of like famous in like the AI community for its neural network AI, and I think that the whole the whole like purpose of the the client itself and like is just basically to facilitate this AI that the guy Keldon Jones was like really interested in making um and and so we so actually like I had been a fan of Keldon's for years like playing on this um Windows client and then the designer Tom Lehman when I got in touch with him he was like you know you should really integrate this Keldon guy's work the AI and some of the game logic and he put me in touch and it was just like, yeah, okay. Like <laughs> this stuff is amazing. I'd already like, cause it's open source. I'd already like checked under the hood and was sort of looking into all the like neural network stuff that was happening there. And, um, and, uh, so it, I mean, it like, it all just like fell into our lap and it was like this perfect, like, I don't know, for me, this is like this perfect design. The, the board game is really perfect. And then the Keldon AI is just like world-class board game AI. I don't think that there's a, a more, um, competent AI that for a digital board game. And then we, we basically just did like the networking and like the, um, the like, you know, UI and I mean, we did a bunch of other stuff, but, um, yeah, it was heavy lifting from, from both of them. So are there any changes to the, to the AI that you guys made or is it pretty much just like a, a part for part, uh, recreation of it? Um, there's, uh, a couple of little changes um, in order to really facilitate the asynchronous um, gameplay. Um, this doesn't really affect the AI, but there is some game logic that we changed a little bit so that you can batch up kind of the ending of one turn and the beginning of the next and then hand it and then the game kind of hands it off to the ne next opponent that you're playing with rather than this sort of like I'm done with your my turn you know, hard stop. Now you do your whole turn hard stop because it just makes it a little bit like smoother of an experience for players. And we sort of like negotiated with Tom, the designer and Keldon's code to try to like basically just do the thing that would make the most sense for users, which is just to have a little bit less interruption when they're um, doing that asynchronous gameplay. But, um, but for the most part, his stuff is like super crazy solid, like very little, but little, very few bugs, so we didn't have to change a ton. So um, I, I don't have the app up right now in, in front of me, but uh, 
when when you I, I assume you're you're probably a pretty good race for the galaxy player at least by now right you've you've spent a ton of time in the game <laughs> yeah i mean probably can you beat can you beat like that ai on like a on its hardest setting is that a, a, a possible thing for you or do you think like it's something where it's you know as close to to good as as you're gonna get like you you're, you're it's still gonna give you a run for the money no matter what uh I beat it. God, I should look at my stats. We just rolled out stats, so I can actually look at this. But um, mm. it still beats me all the time. Like, <laughs> like especially if I have like a four-player game going, um, and I'm doing it all, with all hard AI, I get whipped quite frequently. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I can win. Um, okay. Yeah. Because right now that and, feels impossible to me. Like, <laughs> that feels. Like... You got to ramp up. You just start with easy, and then you'll ramp up. Yeah. And, yeah. Like, it's kind of like Yeah. Um, but Jared never, I... Jared never really gets to hard mode, anyways. So, <laughs> yeah, in anything. Well, that's 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 relatively. I'm trying to think of what I what am I good at? What's a game that I'm good at? Poyo Poyo. Um, yeah, I'm pretty good at that in Tetris. It's like the only. It's all I got. So, uh, so Teresa, let me ask you a question that I always found interesting with designers: is is it easy to program the AI to destroy somebody or to be dumb and fail? <laughs> is it easier? Are you saying? Yeah, it's it's much easier to program the AI to be dumb. Okay. Yeah, that was yeah. It's super simple. You just throw a couple like parentheses where you should. Oh, because I, I remember oh, um, cool. I was uh, reading an interview by one of uh, Capcom's the original Street Fighter two designers that they were saying that they had a problem originally because the AI would just destroy everybody they fought against. But I guess it's different in in that kind of game. I don't know what's wrong with my brain, but all well, I... maybe if oh, there's a dexterity element, I can imagine that a computer AI could be potentially. I, I'm not sure. Like, I can imagine if there was a, a computer game where there's a dexterity element, it could be like mm-hmm. easily far superior because you're just, um, you, have to you know, react. like its speed could be like you know infinitely fast and stuff like that. Yeah. But for like a logic game, um, it's a lot harder to. Challenge people for like uh, chess or well, actually, if you want to talk about like board game AI, uh, Go obviously has a a pretty in- like like Google's been developing their their AI for that for a while now, and I don't I don't know where it wound up. Actually, one of our devs here made a made a, a version of it that implements I think that Google AI, but uh, but yeah, anyway, it's uh, I think maybe. I, I, I don't know where my head's at exactly, but I originally thought what you meant, Lucio, was like, is it easier to create an AI that like kills people and like goes crazy? Right. Um, well, no, but I meant like like in real life, like takes over Earth and. Oh yeah, that's gonna happen eventually. I mean, <laughs> we're headed there anyway. Hope, hopefully not yeah. with the Race for the Galaxy uh, PC edition, but. Maybe there will be that expansion it's coming next. It's like, yeah, yeah. Apocalypse. It, <laughs> it's kind of coming out on. Uh, <laughs> 2018 you heard it here so and uh correct me if i'm wrong but race has two expansions is that right yeah we've implemented two the uh, gathering storm which introduces goals and the rebel versus imperium which introduces takeovers and also has an optional rebel versus imperium scenario for a two-player game if you want to have like a kind of a structured um like battle between factions um and there's more more expansions on the way. Um, we've started working on more, so hopefully we'll roll so, those up. 
so you say you're working on more. Are there others? Are there other expansions of the physical game? Yeah, there are. I, I should actually, actually there off the top of my head. There's um, there's Xenon and Xenon Invasion. Let me look really quick. Uh, I have I've played the heck out of all of them. I just don't always remember the names. Uh, Brink of War, uh, Alien Artifacts, and Xeno yes. Invasion. Yes, I and the Alien Artifacts turn off the other expansions and. Oh, okay. I actually don't think I knew about any of these. I think I only knew about the first two. Um, maybe yeah. these, maybe these came out after I after I had picked it up originally. Well, you were mentioning when you originally picked it up, you were kind of like a little overwhelmed with it, the complexity level and the iconography. And I think, like, I feel like yeah, like a somewhat game. universal experience. Like, I remember being cranky <laughs> when I first learned it. I like oh, yeah. didn't want to learn it. Yeah, I, I, it's, it's I feel be... like if you invest in it, it like pays off in dividends because that iconography lends to so much um, sort of like um, like different combinations of the icons. Once you learn them, you can kind of like uh, sort of like formulate different strategies by piecing together different uh, combinations of the icons. And, and that makes the expansions um, kind of like neat because you can sort of just see where the designer filled in, oh, these you know, these icon combinations hadn't, there wasn't a permutation of this yet. So we're going to go in that direction. And mm -hmm. well, and you're, I mean, you're, you're right in the sense that in fact, you're almost the way you describe it, you almost make it sound like language, right? Like you're, you're kind of just learning this language that the game has. And uh, once you've got it, you've got it and that's it. And you can kind of understand, yeah. it's kind of cool how you can literally understand almost any card in that game just by looking at it, even though not a single card, uh, well, this isn't the true statement, but the majority of the cards don't even have text. Like they, they have no written uh, text on them for the most part. And yet, yeah. and yet an experienced player could pick it up and say, oh, I know exactly what this does and, and I, I totally get what this is. Um, but yeah, it's, it's definitely a feeling, um, it's definitely a feeling that I get when, when I, when I very first picked it up, like, oh, I'm never going to have any idea what the hell any of this means. And I, I guess on the one hand, like I'm certainly closer to understanding, but I also think on the other hand, I think the digital versions have almost been a crutch where like I kind of haven't had to learn a lot of the symbols. So I don't really know if I'd be any better at playing the the physical version of the game because even when i logged into yours I, i've spent about maybe coming up on two hours i think uh and i still, yeah it's at 1.7 i still find myself right clicking on cards all the time to look and see what they do because <laughs> i still because <laughs> i still haven't bothered to learn a lot of the symbols so but you'll stop at some point yeah no like, you're, you're if right you keep playing you're right at, you will at some point i'll have it but uh, I guess maybe we should spend a little bit just talking kind of about the game. So if you're, if anybody's listening to this and is interested and is unfamiliar with it, um, I think it's probably best compared to uh, probably San Juan, um, which uh, is the card game. And you can correct me if I screw any of this up. San Juan's the card game variant of Puerto Rico. Um, and uh, they're very, very similar, at least in, in kind of tone. Uh, Race for the Galaxy obviously has more of a sci-fi theme and uh, some other kind of big differences to it. But the, the crux of strategy in these games is you, you basically have uh, every round you have different roles that you can play. And, um, 
and, and I don't know if you'd agree with me when I say this, but I, I think uh, a lot of your like high level decision making in this game is um, kind of assuming or, or trying to predict what roles your opponents are going to pick so that you can pick the roles that will best complement that and, uh, and and benefit you. So if they're going to choose to uh, develop, for example, which, which lets you play a certain type of card, uh, if you suspect that that's coming up, then you can, you know, skip it, even though you may have, you know, developments to play and you can take advantage of it. So one person picks a role, everybody in the game does it, and uh, it kind of goes through that way. I'd actually never played, but, you, you had, oh, go ahead, go ahead. Oh, no, <laughs> that's a really good description. That's exactly it. <laughs> that's, that's, I did it? Yeah. <laughs> I didn't, go home. I didn't think I'd get it right. Um, but yeah, it, it, it's weird because it, and I guess this is why it's so interesting that it has this like advanced AI, because like I said, to me, Puerto Rico in particular, cause I have played a lot more of that than I have uh, race for the galaxy, but it, it comes down to a, a little bit of a mind game, right? Like you're trying to kind of look at the other person's board and figure out like, okay, well, I know they're going for this. And so this turn, it seems obvious that like, these are the decisions that they're going to make. And uh, and then you can base your decisions off of that and try and, um, you know, try and kind of get better. I think there's a old Puerto Rico strategy that, that says you always you basically spend the entire game like staring at the person to your left's board and trying to figure <laughs> out uh, what they're what they're going to do and what's going to happen next. But um, I was going to ask, there's a there's a mode that you have and I don't I didn't remember it in the Kelden AI. Maybe it's always been there, but there's a two player mode where. Uh, you actually can pick multiple uh, roles each turn. Has that always been a thing in Race for the Galaxy, or is that something that? Yeah, I think that's been there since the physical, the first, the base set released as a physical um, form. There's the like two player advanced role in which uh, instead of choosing one phase or one action per turn, you can choose two, and it, it does change the strategy quite a bit because um, it sort of releases you a little bit from quite so much dependence on your opponent to choose a phase you you really need to have happen. Um, but you are also giving them the benefit of an extra phase. So you need to be really careful at seeing like, you know, what is going to, what is going to be in their interest and, and not just give them free points. So, um, I think that people who play a lot tend to favor it. Um, especially if they're, if they're into the two player games. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Do you find that that's what I, I would imagine it, that's what most people play online, right? So does it make it more or less complex? Mm. I guess it makes it a little bit more because you're thinking about you're thinking about two two choices. It's, um, okay. it's kind of interesting because you can kind of set up your own combos uh, with it, whereas in the in the traditional version of the game, you're kind of relying on other people to set up a combo. But but you could set it up so that. Um, Maybe there's two things that you want to do in a row, like you want to. So the, the best example is uh, your, I think it's the fourth action is consume. And basically what you do is if you have goods that you've created, you can, uh, you can trade them in for cards or, or victory points. Uh, but then there's the fifth action, which is produce. And any world that doesn't have a good on it will, will get a good put on it. And so if you can get those so they hit in a row, you can use all your stuff and then immediately reproduce everything um and that's a lot easier to do in that two-player one because you can just pick them both right right and i think what it ends up letting you do is kind of like amplify or like just like really hypercharge whatever strategy you're doing because you can just kind of get to an engine 
you're going to have less sort of like luck turns, I'd say. You can kind of get to an engine by uh, sort of like um, cunning um, and like careful, explicit decision making a little bit more than you can in when you just have less decisions that you're making. Um, and so I think w once you start getting these like epic engines going, it's hard to go back and, and right. you know, I, I just don't think you can quite get th things as powerfully on average with the um, one action per turn. That is another nice thing about having a digital version of this game is there's so much stuff that's figured out for you. And you, you mentioned engines, and anytime I think of an engine in a board game, I always think of basically just waiting forever for someone to take their turn. And, <laughs> uh, and it's nice to have a digital version of this game because now we don't have to deal with that. Um, yeah. But uh, I mean, this is a game that plays pretty fast, too. Like, even besides the fact that it's simultaneous turns, so you're not waiting for one person to do their engine... Or at least if you're waiting for them, you were at least able to use some of that time on your own turn. But also it's um, it's a game that doesn't there's not a lot of milling. There's not tons of card draw. There's not like there's not all these things that that tend to be those things that sort of like drag people's turns on and on and on in other games. Um, so you just don't really have that problem. And I, I think uh, that I mean, we're seeing games. People play games in about like 11 minutes. You know, it's pretty quick. Yeah, that sounds that sounds about right, which is which is cool because I think the physical version takes, you know, quite a bit longer than that. Um, yeah. So part of that's just set up too. yeah. A lot of that's just like the, right. the, you physically can't move things around, you know, that fast. Um, right. But still, this is a if you if you want to get good at Race for the Galaxy, this is 100 percent the way to do it. Um, because you're going to be able to play, you know, five or six games in the amount of time that probably one or two games would take with the, the physical version. So, and you can try weirdo strategies on a AI and no one will have to know how terrible they are. And you can say, Oh, this, <laughs> you know, this is terrible. I'll never do it again. Or this is amazing. I'm going to totally wreck my friends next time I play with them in person. Yeah. I'm still at a weird point where like things work sometimes and I don't really understand why they worked. Uh, like, oh, no. <laughs> I think, well, I think like, <laughs> I always you, you always kind of commit one way or the other. You say like, oh, I'm going to I'm going to be a military guy this time or, oh, I'm going to be, you know, a, a traitor this time. And I think my best games have usually been some kind of like mishmash of the two. And I'm still trying to figure out like what exactly oh. what do I like to do? What kind of person? There's. Sorry. Sorry. No, I, keep, no, go right I get ahead. so excited and then I interrupt. I'm so rude. Nope. No, um, go ahead. There's this uh, this blog post I found online on like Board Game Geek. It says it's called the 75 stages of Race for the Galaxy players, and Jesus. it has all these like things of <laughs> it has all these like uh, steps of like what someone might say, and you can determine like how many games are under their belt, you know, de depending on what they're saying, like you know. And I think like your your point that you just made of like you know I feel like when I'm starting a game I I look at my cards and I determine what track I'm going to be on. Am I military? Am I like, we need production, like whatever it is. And I think at some point, like you're starting to discover, like it might not be the most victory point advantageous to lock yourself in and be inflexible. And one, one of the things I noticed playing with the AI is like, they are all over the place and they kick butt, but they're like, they don't stick to a strategy. And I think there can be, like this weird, very human satisfaction of like picking a strategy and really like seeing it through. Mm -hmm. And I don't think that that's necessarily uh, necessarily the best. And maybe there's still, like some life lessons in there that that the game can teach. 
Maybe that maybe that's true because uh, you're right. On the one hand, like it is satisfying to like do like a you know like a, a finish a game with like plus ten military or something like that. Um, but simultaneously, again, when I get beaten really badly, I look at like the, the AI's <laughs> empire and I'm like, what the hell were they doing? <laughs> like how did <laughs> how did they do that? <laughs> well, she just told you they don't they do whatever. Yeah, exactly. They do whatever and it works. So uh, right. it's just it's just one of those things, I guess. Um, but yeah, this is uh, like I said, this is a very very good way to uh, you know learn the game and and uh, certainly the ideal way to to get started. I think um, I feel like I feel like after a few more hours, I I'll be I'll be rock solid. No, I'll, I'll be ready for that yeah. high level play. <laughs> any any day now um but uh but yeah so let me uh let me ask uh well i guess there's a there's a couple questions that i have so before that before that i have another proclamation go for it <laughs> this is this is I a have great it time good authority to <laughs> intermission authority become human is a part of a long-term pavlovian experiment to ensure younger generations play outside again okay I don't know if I so, followed. <laughs> I don't know if I followed that, but it sounded deep. It sounded really good. So the to become human is going to be so bad that younger generations are going to play outside again. That's what he's saying. Okay. <laughs> God, Jay, we miss you. Come, come back. Won't you come back? He <laughs> sounds like a hater. He couldn't have participated in this conversation anyway. He doesn't. Uh, I, I don't think Jay's ever seen uh, Race for the Galaxy. He's got well, a, I can't participate much either. I do not understand anything you guys are talking about. He's got a but it sounds <laughs> like a really fun game, and I'm seriously going to buy it on Steam. You know, oh, yay. Lucio kind of yeah. talks uh, talks shit on on board games, but I actually think of all the the ones that I've played, this would be at least thematically relatively close to to his tastes and his desires. Yeah, actually, it does look kind of that my There's there's space. There's producing. <laughs> there's producing goods. Don't you want to produce goods? There's trading the goods for for victory points and cards. I mean, it's uh, like I said, it's basically like it's like a four X game. Uh, <laughs> that turned. Into, you finally learn what that means. It's a four X game that turned into cards, basically. Uh, so I mean, theoretically, it should be you know, uh, perfect for you. But. Wait, Anyway, uh, so a couple questions. Um, one is, uh, you said recently that you've got uh, statistics up and running in the game now. Is that right? Yeah. Is there anything interesting that you've gleamed from that? Uh, maybe something that was unexpected or, or, or anything along those lines? Or is it pretty much just exactly what you were uh, expecting to see? You know, I haven't really been looking at the aggregate. I mean, I should. It's just that we launched today and there's been so much going on. Um, and I, I'll probably kind of like comb through them and maybe make a blog about what's interesting. I think one thing that I was chatting with them. So my, my team that helped me um, are, are Jeff and Patrick as well. And I was chatting with Patrick today about the stats and, and he was saying like, what he really likes doing is uh, going back through his stats and sort of exploring what kind of a player he he personally is. And that's not like, you know, something about the community at scale, but it's kind of interesting because you can kind of see like, 
here's here's your best starting world. Like you can just look at the stats and say, oh, I I've scored highest with this starting world, or I I score highest when I like you know I'm doing lots of uh, production or you know stuff like that, and figure out what kind of a player you are. And you know, different people score highest with different um, with different strategies. I think partially just because they enjoy them differently, and they'll like you know get they'll click with them differently. So I think that that is kind of the the local gleaning that I've gotten, um, which is just like a neat way to like self-reflect as a player. But I definitely want to like look at some trends and, and see what's popping out as mm-hmm. neat, neat stuff. Yeah, I would think that uh, th- this probably lends itself to uh, it's kind of some interesting stuff there. And then on the subject of uh, kind of the multiplayer aspect of it, um, it looked like right now it was just kind of a, a player to player connection sort of thing. Are you guys looking at like having rankings or anything like that? Is that is that something that you'd want to do if you could, or is it not really on the radar? Uh, I want to do rankings. I want to do tournament support and rankings. I think the thing is we just need to have more people. And I think I said this with Cannon Brawl too. Like, you know, right after launch, you're still ramping up your numbers and it doesn't always make as much sense. Like it doesn't make as much sense to do rankings if you're not going to have enough people to match make anyways. Um, so we'll probably do a pass on that maybe with like, you know, no promises, but like maybe with our next expansion when, when our player base is at that level where, where that would actually like really be beneficial to people versus some of the other stuff where we like, we can be rolling out other features that might have a little bit more uh, bang for their buck right now. But consider this, if you have rankings, well, it's too late now, but the next time you make a game, if you have rankings uh, included in it before release, someone then like Jared can be in the Someone like the me can play it and be in the top <laughs> 10, and I'll feel, I'll feel really good about myself. Top 10 in the uh, world. Top 10 let in... me redo my entire production Gantt and everything so yeah, that you, that can happen for if you. you. If you could actually, if you, if you could uh, unrelease the game, unpublish it, and then, you know, let me win, that would be fantastic. Um, yeah, definitely. Actually, so you just said something that I thought was kind of interesting. So, um, Gantt charts. Are are you really into like the the whole kind of kind of project? Uh, I, I've never really talked to somebody about. I've, I've never talked to somebody about the actual like project management behind indie game development. But is that something that you keep? Do you have a Gantt chart for your project? No, I I mean like well I suppose technically I do because I use uh, some assembler tools, so I like I can get at one, and I like I sometimes I use them when I'm um, making proposals for funding and stuff to show that like we know how to do things um but like realistically our team size is so small and the scope of our projects is is not the same scale that you would benefit as much from some of that higher level um production uh voodoo like i like i said i used to work at maxis and you know 100 person 200 person thousand person companies you know that stuff makes a ton of sense um but like we're all pretty self-managed here so um, mm-hmm. we're, we're definitely not as, uh, as like, um, production happy. I, just, I would have been remiss if I didn't take the opportunity to talk about charts. You know, that's, what, <laughs> that's what people come to the podcast for. If you want to talk about <laughs> charts, man, I'm keeping like eight separate gun charts right now. I figured I uh, knew that Lucio could hang with charts. I mean, oh, I do have... you have any like wisdom on charts? On gun charts? 
Yeah. Yeah. Tell I mostly just ignore them for the whole week, and then I update them and send them out, and then I annoy people. That's like that's that's how I manage. Uh, there's people who like update them daily. I don't. I don't care. Um, they kind of. I figure that my job as a project manager is mostly to like annoy people until they <laughs> give me what I need. Yeah, yeah. You don't need a you don't need a chart for that. You're just annoying on your yeah. own. Exactly. I, I I'm just being myself. <laughs> I feel like uh, Gantt charts in particular, not to spend so long on chart chat, but uh, they, in a in oh, a, this is gold, Jared. In a past <laughs> in a past life, I used to teach uh, Microsoft Project as one of like the classes that I would do, and I can't think of a a, a class that I hate more uh, than than Project. Um, like maybe maybe SharePoint, but I think Project's worse. I think I, I I really really just like don't like it. Um, not because there's anything wrong with it, but just because a lot of times people would take that class and already know like the software better than me, and they'd come in with yeah. like they they were they meant to buy consulting, but they'd buy like the class, and so they come in and I'm like here's here's this chart. This is called a Gantt chart. They're like we know we're career project <laughs> managers. We're not fucking idiots. <laughs> and uh, they're like, tell us how to make it do this. And I'm like, well, I don't know how to make it do that. Oh, God. So it was uh, it was one of those kind of experiences. But anyway, that's enough. That's enough reminiscing on charts uh, for now. Yeah, I think Gantt's just mean your project is inflexible. And I think like that is just something you don't you don't oh, get I mean, as much value out when you're in a tiny. So, so you got to be smart about it and give yourself like time. So I <laughs> this is probably this is probably gonna make me look really Gantz. bad if any Go prospective ahead. employers hear this, but I just change that shit all the time. Like, <laughs> <laughs> but then you have to have a person who you have to pay a person to spend their time changing that stuff. Like at so some point, hard. the overhead is expensive. That's true. I mean, especially if you're in a small team. Uh, yeah. But uh, for me, and, Lu- and Lucio, that's not the true. thing that's gonna stop you from getting hired off this podcast. Trust me. Yeah, that's true. There's got to be there's 177 episodes of stuff that even the ones I mean, that you that, weren't on, you're still taking the blame. <laughs> I did threaten to kill the press in one, right? Did you keep yeah, that in? That that's true. That's in one of them. I no, I think I I think I edited that out, didn't I? Oh well, edit this one out then. I feel. Like, uh, <laughs> well, he was, it, it, we just need to clarify that it was definitely an accident. Yes. He, he didn't mean to say that at all. What he was trying, and you to don't know say, which president because he spans two terms. He was trying to say thrill the president with his numerous tricks that he can do. Uh, Lucio's right. Lucio's really good at yo-yos and Gantt charts. Those are his two things. And so he, was, <laughs> he gave me a fidget spinner, man. You give the oh, you give the guy spin. a, you give the guy a fidget spinner. He will thrill you. There's no question, absolutely no doubt. So let me ask you this, uh, Teresa, not to get like ahead of ourselves here, because obviously you're you're doing um, you know a lot right now. Um, but what um, two questions? Kind of a two part question. Uh, what board games are you into right now that aren't Race for the Galaxy? Let's just start there. Uh, um, or is there nothing? Is this just like completely? No, I just played one and I keep forgetting the name of it. It's like, uh, oh, I'm stalling. I'm stalling. Hang on. It's all right. Second. It's all right. We'll edit this Here, out. Here, give us one of those Jays. Uh, Jay's wisdoms. Hey, yeah, do that. Sure, I have Jay-isms. Yeah. <clears throat> While certain obstructive forces prevent me from announcing Kit Harrington is gay, you do not have enough 
outside of the realm of circumstantial evidence to prove that he is straight. <laughs> Didn't he date like Natalie Dormer or one of? I don't know, man. I'm just I'm just he? reading the proclamation, dude. Pretty sure he did. Don't don't kill the messenger. I think he dated someone in Game of Thrones. Is Pandemic any good? Oh, Pandemic's a great game. Um, is yeah. it? Yeah, Pandemic. And, and actually, if you like co-op, I think uh, I think the guy who did Race for the Galaxy, his name's already slipping. Um, but I think he. Tom Lehman. Yeah, yeah, Tom. Uh, he did uh, Pandemic as well, or or was like co-creator on Pandemic, if I remember correctly. Yeah, he he worked on some part of the Pandemic board game franchise. Yeah, that's nice. That's what I thought. But um, I have the name. I have the name, and I wanted to say this board game that I've been loving lately, which is Yokohama. I just didn't want to say the name wrong. Um, it's like a super cool worker placement game. And then Terraforming Mars. Have you guys tried that one? Mm-mm, haven't heard of that one. Oh, it's so good. It's it like actually a, you have my own. Is it good? Yeah, it's really good. It's got like this terraform, uh, not terraforming, territory management, ter- like sort of. Mm. Um, and then it's got like a ton of cards. So um, it it ends up feeling a little bit to me like a like what I want out of King of Tokyo. And I think that's going to sound like a weird compa- comparison, but I feel like with King of Tokyo, you have these cards and you could potentially build like a little bit of an engine with them, but the game ends before you can ever really get it going. And I feel like with terraforming Mars you the balance is so much so much um more yielding to 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 that engine part of it because the game lasts a lot longer and um and then there's this like really cool t- uh territory thing happening oh man i'm looking at terraforming mars this looks complex no 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 it seems it's one of those games like lords of water deep or uh ascension it seems like it's complex because it looks like there's lots of little pieces but it's totally intuitive. It's totally like, and I get you like with some board <laughs> games, but this one's not bad. Yeah, once once we get past Ticket to Ride, I'm too confused. Don't know what's going on. I understand <laughs> the trains. The trains go on the colors. Uh, <laughs> rock solid. No, I, I always found Candyland to be. To be yeah, Candy <laughs> Candyland's a tough one, man. Um, and uh, but but if you hang in there, you'll get it. You, it just takes some time. But um, no, I just it should be Candyland 4X version. This looks... you. you know what game made like started fights when you were kids? You shoot some ladders. Uh, oh yeah, I'm a I'm a shoot some ladders. You, you fall on that? Yes, I did. Or trouble. Yeah. Tr- trouble with the the little bubble that you pop. Yeah, and you like can knock people out and stuff. That was that was fighting. That was some fighting words, man. That's that's uh this is this is the best board game podcast anyone ever. <laughs> <laughs> the people at home are thrilled. They're like, "What is this trouble? I gotta look this up." It sounds, it sounds. What's the indie? <laughs> yeah, who, who's the developer behind Trouble? We want to know. <laughs> Tell us all about him. Yokohama gun looks... charts and and shoots and ladders. That's... <laughs> Yokohama looks pretty cool though. That uh, just the, the art and again, like it looks very complex. But uh, yeah, that one actually is. Yeah, that one's cool. I would. I think. I would figure this looks like holy shit. This looks like a Japanese newspaper. Like, <laughs> it's crazy. It's definitely a lot of Japanese lettering on there. I can see that. Yeah, yeah. No, that's cool. So though. do I need to speak Japanese and read kanji for? I'm, I for don't. I, I don't think so. I, I imagine you can probably get by. But oh yeah, you don't need a uh, Japanese. Is it? It's uh, translated at least. See, you'll be fine. You're. Do you want to play it, Lucio? Uh, why not? 
Yeah, why not? Let's give it a go. See how it goes. When, it goes. when I'm in, uh, in Utah, uh, well. Just squeeze it in between shoots and ladders and trouble. Well, exactly. if he's in Utah, we're going to be going to the church. So, uh, you know, uh, there won't be a lot of time for games. <laughs> no, there's totally a church in Yokohama, which is actually kind of an interesting thing. Like, I feel there like. You know, we, we can kill two birds with one stone. Yeah. There oh, you go. Perfect. I don't know if it's going to be the right kind of church, but I, I, <laughs> I accept the offer regardless. So let me ask this. The right kind of church. Um, because we were able to basically make your dreams come true the last time you were here. <laughs> yeah, you did. Uh, what if what in a perfect world after after the dust settles around Race for the Galaxy, what board game do you think is ripe for an adaptation from Temple oh. Gates? Well, I think I even mentioned it last time, or maybe you mentioned it actually last time we chatted. But like, I really want Dominion on my phone. Uh-huh. <laughs> really cool. Um, but you know, I I think someone else has the rights to that, so I'm it's a, probably never gonna happen. I'm a, but I would love to get my my mitts on making that because that is such an awesome game. Definitely a huge Dominion fan. Um, although I haven't played any of the expansions post. I think Dark Ages. Dark Ages. <laughs> yeah, I remember. I, so, so I haven't budged since the last time we spoke. Then, um, but, uh, but yeah, there was. No, nope, you haven't played anything with Doug. You haven't played any of the expansions. Yeah. But there was like a there was like an online version of the game, and uh, and it was so so good. And then I th- I think it's Rio Grande too, and they they shut it down for this other version that came out and it's like a super heavy client and the thing i like about uh your your version of race is that it's super super lightweight um i haven't used it on a phone obviously but i'm assuming it probably works great because it it runs super smooth on the computer um so i'm 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 sure it probably carries over there but uh rio grande's version of dominion definitely feels like kind of janky and uh a little hefty so i wouldn't mind something that was smoother and quicker and just a better version of that that's a good one yeah i mean like i would love to make it but i would love anyone to make it as long as i can just play it yeah yeah. (laughs) i'll be happy have you uh have you kept up on it like uh i haven't played obviously for a long time but are you up to speed on like the expansions do you know the game inside out still I mean, I've played a ton of the expansions, but once they deprecated their, um, or not deprecated, once they sunsetted their uh, GoCo client that they had the web, the browser um, version, mm-hmm. I wasn't able to get it going. And so, so I think I'm at this like state where I have so many expansions on my shelf that it's sort of like a manual labor task to like break all of them out. And I end up not playing at all because I'm like, oh, well, I don't want to play with a subset of content. But then like, I don't want to go through the like literal heavy lifting of like breaking out 10 boxes or whatever. Mm-hmm. So yep. yeah, I don't know. I, uh, I can tell you what, what my secret with the physical version of that game is, is, um, I took like the, uh, I, I took like the, the plastic insert that it comes with and basically just threw those away. And I just bought small bags and put all the kingdom cards into these like tiny bags and whenever we play Dominion, what we'll do is we'll just we'll just pull out the boxes and basically just yank out like ten, just not even look, like just close your eyes and pull out ten. Oh, that's the, fun. Of the bags, and then that's you know the the game that you play with. Having said that, while it works great when you don't give a shit what cards you're playing with, it is a nightmare when you decide that there's like a specific set or a specific game. 
Oh uh, yeah. Uh, that you want to play. So maybe it's terrible advice, but but I don't know. I really like that. I I like how that alleviates that like burden of those blueback cards that are the ones that like mm-hmm. you're supposed to keep separately, but like they always somehow get mixed in, and then you have to like find them and take them out, and like you could just kind of get rid of that whole process because you're picking based on just like literally picking up a bag. I like that. I think I'm going to try that. Yeah. If you use the control cards, um, I think it's way easier to just, you know, like I said, just kind of toss those and, and instead just, just bag everything up separately. And like I said, just kind of randomly, uh, pull stuff out. Cause otherwise I feel like the game takes even longer to set up cause you draw 10 of the control cards and then you got to go find all the 10 piles that it corresponds to. And, like, it's so much easier to just, like, bust out. I don't know if you're ever, like, in a hurry to play Dominion. I'm not sure that anybody ever is. But, <laughs> Quick. But if you're like, oh, my God, hurry, we have to play it, or, or Grandpa won't make it or something, I don't know. Um, he, he needs... You have 10 minutes to set up this game. <laughs> he really, you know, he really needs it. to play around, and if he doesn't play it immediately, and, uh, you know... He, you know how much he loves those alchemy cards, so include those. I, I don't know. We kidnapped, <laughs> we kidnapped your family. You know what's weird? Uh, Set up Dominion. Uh, about Dominion, and maybe I'm talking out of my ass here, but uh, if I remember correctly, I remember reading somewhere that uh, uh, Donald X, the, the guy who designed it, he had like designed the entire game and uh, like like all the expansions that have been released uh, currently are in his like original prototype version and he's just broken up, he's just broken up the game over I mean god what has it been it came out in like 2008 so it's been like 8 years or however wow. long that is um That is crazy awesome I have no idea that's a cool that's a cool legend I don't know if that's I don't know if that's still true but when I quit playing uh it was so I know that there's been three expansions since I stopped, and I don't know if those are part of that, but uh, my understanding was that, that originally he designed, like I said, like the entire thing, and then Rio, yeah. Rio Grande told him, like, we can't publish this. Like, this is ridiculous. And so they, they parted it out into these different pieces. Wow. That's um, even more impressive because the, like, sets are so cohesive. I know. Yeah, that's true. And, and and like thematically. So I guess the game always had, you know, like the 10 point victory cards and things like that. But they eventually like f- figured out that it made more sense to like take them out and and put them into what it, what is that one called? Prosperity, I think it is. Or or like potions. So the game had potions from the beginning, but they took them out and then made them into this like expansion set. So hmm. anyway, just kind of an interesting thing about that, I guess. Yeah. I mean, it makes so much sense to remove that, too, because isn't that a whole new currency? Like, it already feels... Doesn't potions introduce... I might be remembering it wrong. I thought it introduced some different currency. Uh, prosperity has platinum, so uh, more valuable than gold. And then uh, alchemy, yeah. alchemy has the actual potion that you buy. And oh, then, okay, that's what I'm thinking of. Um, I forget what else, but I, I think the, the, the potion itself is a currency. You're right. Uh, you, you actually buy it like a, like a coin. Um, yeah, anyway. Which I think, like, having a dual currency like that, I think would be too complex for... I mean, it, I, I'm sure it would be fine. But, like, I think the game really hit its market having a simplified, like, currency with, like, one axis of, like, it's just money, and it's, like, crappy money or awesome money, but, like, there's no dual mm-hmm. currency. No, I, I think it's super elegant. well... It's super well designed in the sense of, like, they introduce all these new mechanics in like, you know, just perfect waves. Um, but, but you're right where if you took like 
the base game through like cornucopia and release that as one huge set that would be the most overwhelming thing like that that would be crazy to try and pick up and and get started with um so they did a really good job of kind of parting it out but anyway like we said dominion's probably owned by someone else so what's your second choice oh man god there's so many good ones let's see i keep thinking of games and then they're already i've already like heard announcements like I think like King you're, of you're Tokyo like, was getting announced and like, you know, Lords of Waterdeep has a, a thing. And, and sometimes I think about games and there's some games that just don't make as much sense for uh, a digital uh, port, like games with a lot of interruption or games with um, like lots of micro turns, especially if, like for a, a multiplayer where the turns are consecutive. Um, mm-hmm. But let's see. Oh, gosh, off the top of my head. I don't want to get you too excited. But I hmm. just looked on my phone, and in <laughs> in the app store, there is no digital version of Candyland. So, <laughs> um, you know, not to like, not to get you super stoked. I'm sure that uh, the the what Milton Bradley brothers are, are probably <laughs> uh, probably tough to get in touch with. But I'm more so surprised. <laughs> Yeah, actually, I'm a little like, surprised. You would think they would have milked that license. But that feels like the easiest game to make a board game of, too, right? Yeah, but it's targeted at little kids, and those are not the ones who are necessarily like buying Steam games. Right? Yeah, they're not. They're games. not paying for like the high end Euro games. Uh, <laughs> you, you could probably make some terrible like free to play Candyland. Like with like microtransactions, like at every spot, and I make a ton of money uh, to move a slot. Okay, actually, so that's a there's there's an exercise we can do. Uh, here here we go, Teresa. As an indie developer, um, how can you? Well, not as uh, this is actually uh, less of the indie uh, the the indie model here. So I want you to tap back into like your AAA days, and I want you to tell me how can we part Candyland out and make the most money as humanly possible. <laughs> And make it as evil as we can. What can we do? Is there like, oh. could you pay extra oh. for a color? Like you don't have purple by default in the deck. Well, so how did Candyland work? Candyland was like a track with different colors. And then you would just draw a card and it would tell you what color to go to. Mm-hmm. And then sometimes there was like stuff, right? Like what happened? Wasn't uh, there like. So there's never, could- there's never a decision to make. Um, at no point, right. at no point will you ever decide, uh, whether or not actually maybe there is, which actually. keep that. I think that's good for the like evil model. You're never making any, <laughs> you, no, you just got to do what the game tells you. It's like Jumanji. <laughs> you may yeah. as well, like, yeah, how great would it be if you don't even have to like push buttons? Like you just pull up the game and it just draws the cards for you and moves you and shows you what happens. And you're like, Oh, I lost. Yeah. Oh man. That's, that's such a good point. Cause like, so with digitizing some of these board games, we have to make those decisions of like when to just automate advancing and like just animate through things and like what feels right as a player and yeah like you kind of end up wanting to only stop the game progressing when it's really a decision <laughs> so Candyland you could just totally have it Candyland the movie the game <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, just yeah. Goes. the movie the game that's perfect and, and there's uh, gonna be it, huge ads oh they're make huge. it like 50 times faster so like the turn is finished in like a minute you're absolutely right so there's got to be like 50 percent of the screen is an ad uh and when you yeah. when you close it you have to watch a 30 second video every time you draw a card too you have to like bug a bunch of your friends and like oh, the, yeah. the whole facebook game thing sort of went away so like maybe you have to bug them through i don't even know what like oh, uh, snap snapchat 
You send them snaps yeah. about how much yeah. you love Candyland. Yeah, totally. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> See, you're you're there. I you're gonna you're gonna be getting phone calls tomorrow. I'm you're, ready for my Gantt chart. Your your phone is your your phone is gonna ring and you're gonna pick up and they're like, Hey, this is EA. We need you here now. <laughs> We're really concerned that you're not here right this second. <laughs> oh. We like a lot of your ideas. You know the sad thing is like this is probably like literally in in someone's like project book at some point. Like, no, yeah, you, we just, oh, we yeah, just probably absolutely. We, I I guarantee you, we we right just leaked now, something. There's someone in a AAA studio who's like, how'd they know about our Snapchat marketing plan? Like, <laughs> I'm I'm a hundred percent positive of that that we just that we just oh. busted it. And when I get a cease and desist letter, <laughs> I want to talk to you a little bit. Um, before we let you go about about uh, you know some of your other projects that you've done over the last few years, um, but before we do, if you don't mind us sidetracking, I know that Trevor's got somewhere that he's got to be in a little bit, and I want to make sure that he gets a chance to tell me why I was wrong about arms. But before that, we have to say that Pornhub has done more to forward humanity than Alfred Kingsley and Sigmund Freud combined. <laughs> thanks, thanks again, Jay. Thanks, Jay. Thanks, Jay. Brilliant. Slow clap. This, uh, yeah, this would have been better suited for like a book, um, but uh, but whatever, the podcast will do. But um, how how'd you find Arms, Trevor? So, okay, so I was playing Arms. You know, I, I pop it in. I I got the game going. It looks good, and you know, I get in. First of all, I was surprised by how difficult it was off the bat. I was getting smashed. But I started at uh, in the Grand Prix, like the arcade mode at mm. uh, four. Oh, yeah, that was, is hard. I was getting smashed at that level. So after I got frustrated there for a bit and I'm like, wow, this, you know, it's way harder than I thought it was going to be. Dropped down to three and then I was able to just clear it straight out just all the way to 10. Did it done. And um, and then there's really not too much else to do. I, you know, did the arms things, got some more arms. The, the way, the ability to get arms is pretty slow. It's pretty grindy, you know? Mm-hmm. So I wasn't too thrilled about that. But um, then I started practicing more. I bump it up to rank four, get through it. And then actually, I don't know if you've played it through. I don't know if you did play it through. On four or above, the last boss actually goes twice. Like you have to beat him once. And then he like this weird head drops down on top of him and then he like gets more powerful and gets three arms on each side and you have to fight him it's pretty brutal um and so as i was playing it through i was like you know this game is is fun and it looks good and you know the it, it's it's got good mechanics you can like it's easy to pick up but there's definitely that you know hard to master sort of thing there's a couple of characters that are totally shitty i mean some of the characters in there just have the worst so i I feel like sometimes they were just throwing them in there just to like say okay let's do this to this character but then there's also those core characters like uh the spring man i think his name is then there's ribbon girl and ninja those those three characters are really powerful i mean they are like top there's no i i I would have to watch a tournament because i i know they do actually have tournaments but I would have to watch to see what the what like people who are considered pros pick 
but I can't imagine that they're picking anything but those characters because nothing else can compete with those characters. Their mobility, Ribbon Girl can jump twice at any time, which mm-hmm. is ridiculous ridiculous for the mobility in that game. Ninja can just straight up just dash out of stuff because he like that when he dashes, he disappears like a ninja. Yeah. Um and then, you know, and then the spring man, when he gets down to one bar of health, you have three bars, you then have the, you get, all, your weapons are charged all the time. So that's a big part of it is charging your weapons and, uh, or your, your arms. And, um, the one thing that I was disappointed about in the arms is they have this diverse set of them, right? There's like, there's the firearms, the ice arms, electric arms, there's wind and a couple of other weird ones that I'm not too sure what they call them, but, um, the thing that I was disappointed about in those is that there's not a big difference between them, meaning like ice and electric are pretty much the same thing. If you hit someone with a charged version of that, they're basically just kind of locked down for a second, mm-hmm. which is great, but it's just stupid that they both do the same thing and then, but they're going to act like it's two different things. Um, which I didn't like. And then fire, I feel like the firearms are just absolutely worthless because, uh, when I was playing, um, if you charge it up, and hit somebody with a firearm, you were doing 160 damage. If you charged up the electric or ice, you were doing 150 damage, plus you were slowing them or stunning them, right? Mm-hmm. When you slow or stun, you can get a grab in really easy, which does a ton of damage. Um, that's kind of like my main gripes with the game, just the just the, uh, the customization I didn't think was really there, even though there's a shit ton of arms that you can choose from. Right. Um, but then... The thing that really got me thinking is I was playing this game and I was like, this game is actually fun. Like it's it's really enjoyable. I wouldn't give it like if if it was out of a ten, I'd probably give it like a seven. Like it was it was good, not great, um, very repetitive. But it is a boxing game, so I don't know what else you're looking for. There's the mini games in it, so you know there's like a volleyball, a basketball. Mm-hmm couple others i can't remember there's like a punching one where you have to like try to punch them across the oh you have to like hit targets and yeah, punch them at hit, the same time hitting, hitting the targets yeah yeah and so i mean there's there's a little bit of like the mini game things going on the pvp is really good and i was gonna say that's probably something you didn't do because you're not really into fighting against uh real people because they're way better than you but the uh <laughs> damn <laughs> but wow. the uh but you know the uh, uh, I've just noticed that about you, Jared. In general, you just anytime it's PvP oriented, you're like, "There's no game." Well, yeah, there's no story. I mean, there, there's kind of a story in this game, but it's like it's you know it's just this it's arcade mode. It, but I don't think that it means that there's nothing to the game. It's all very PvP centric. It's a game to play against other people. You know, um, it's kind of like when you you know with Overwatch, you're you're like, "Oh yeah, I like it," but you're just doing the same thing. But it's like, yeah, you're playing against other people, so there's a lot of you know, strategy involved with what the other person is going to do and outsmarting them and that sort of thing. And if it's not your thing, I get it, but I just don't think that it makes it a bad game. Interesting. But anyways, if, if, so I was thinking it's a seven, but I was like, this game is not worth it at all. As far as like, if you're basing it off the price, I mean, I would be, I would be completely thrilled with that game if it was either bundled with the switch at launch or or, or like you know came with it kind of like uh the wii sports or something mm-hmm. or if it was like a 15 or 20 dollar game it would have been totally worth it it would have been a much better thing and so the thing that i was thinking about that i was going to ask you guys is at, like where do you have to factor in price of the game versus actually whether or not it's good because i think that that's there's like a discussion to be had about 
yeah, like, okay, say it's $500 for this, for this game. Yeah, it's obviously not worth it, but does that mean that it's not actually fun or a good game? No, that's fair. Um, I think that, uh, I, I don't know how Lucio would answer uh, the question, but um, to me, I always weigh, when, when we do like a review or something like that, I, I 100% of the time will weigh price in, um, which I know is unpopular uh, because, you know, price fluctuates and changes over time, right? Um, mm-hmm. But I'm kind of of the opinion that, like, if you released it and you thought it was worth this, then we should grade it on those grounds, right? So, like, mm-hmm. regardless of whether or not ARMS is worth $60 and whether or not it stays at $60, which it probably will, because Nintendo games... It will, it's Nintendo, they, yeah. They, they hold their value uh, like, like none other. Um so it's not going to change a whole lot, but but let's just say for the sake of argument that it, it wasn't that, that it was something else entirely, uh, and it was published by you know some third party who's going to drop it to half price two weeks later. Um, in, in my mind, it's still one of those things where like you thought it was worth this, so let's see if it was actually worth that. Um, and it's kind of the same philosophy that I, that we've always had with uh, early access games, where mm-hmm. we we didn't like to. Uh, put scores on them, um, and, and actually, people have asked before. They've they've come to us and been like, "Hey, I, I patched our game. Like, uh, you, you guys gave it a bad review, but I wanted you to know that like I patched it and I fixed a lot of the things that you complained about. And so, will you go back and and update the the review score? And um, no, like you 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 had it at a point where you thought it was good enough to release to 1.0, and so. If it's not, then you shouldn't have. You should have kept it in early access or um, done a beta or, or something like that. But like, if you think it's done and you think it's worth this amount and you think it's worth like a final release, then I think those are all things that you consider when you score a game. But Lucio may say something totally different, so I don't know. I don't actually factor in pricing in the score. I will mention it in the review. Mm-hmm. Um, but value subjective, and I... I I'm cognizant of that. I, I, for example, in the Vanquish review, I said, you know, I, for one thing, that 20 bucks for Vanquish is, is a, you know, a great deal. But I understand that that's not necessarily um, what people would say. I mean, a lot of people will play a game like Vanquish only once to just play the story and never touch it again. And maybe that's not worth your, your 20 bucks. But um, I don't necessarily think it needs to affect the score. I'm mostly mention it kind of as an FYI. See, like I would have, um, I, I would have, um, you remember when super hot did their whole like price thing? Uh, yeah. right. I, it, had I known about that beforehand, I probably actually would have adjusted my score of super hot. Cause I just didn't think it was worth picking up for the price that they, they put it out for. Um, mm-hmm. and, and so like, to me, a score is representative. Like, when I read a score, and so I mean, everybody obviously is subjective, and everybody does this differently. Um, but when I read a score on a on a game site, I want to know, like, just by reading that number, like, do I need to buy this? Like, do I need to go out and and get this? And um, in the case of Superhot, I felt like no, you don't. You should wait for a Steam sale. And so to me, that that drops it down to some degree. I don't know. Sure. Maybe. Yeah. I mean, I get what you're saying. I I mean, I agree with your. I agree with like 
the outcome of what you're saying. I just I would not attribute it to the score. Uh, I, like I would say, like Lucio, I, I agree more with Lucio where I say the game. Like I said, for Arms, I wouldn't. I I don't think it's like a fantastic game by any means. I like I said. I mean, if it was free with the Switch, and if it was, or if it was, like I said, maybe twenty dollars. That's still kind of it's that's that's about up there you know that's kind of like my max price is what i would recommend it at but you know it's one of those things where it's still a it's still a i'm not going to drop it to like a four just because of the price i mean it's almost like that assassin's creed thing that's coming out for like eight hundred dollars i know it's it's, the whole different it's a whole different thing because it's got like extras and stuff like that but it's one of those deals where you can go to egypt for dollars. yeah exactly exactly (laughs) Um, but yeah, it's, you know, it's one of those things where I just, uh, I would also notate it in the review, like, Hey, I wouldn't recommend you buy this for this price. Um, you know, it's, it, it's got its, it's got its pluses, but it's got some minuses. And at this price, it's just too much. Um, I would definitely, you know, note that or say like, if you're into this X, Y, Z, then, you know, you might feel like it's more worth your money. Um, from all of the, from what I've done playing the game, I, I actually have logged quite a bit in that. I played through the grand pre mode a ton of times. And then with different characters trying to test out like their strengths and weaknesses, um, and seeing what I could pull off. And then, um, and then I also went into the PVP, which is actually pretty fun. They have this wacky like party mode PVP, which like switches you up with everybody. It's pretty cool. Like it puts you into like, oh, it's almost like a Grand Prix, but with the other people, other real people. Um, and so it's pretty fun, uh, mode that they have there. Um, but you know, aside from that, yeah, if you're, if you're not into just boxing people over and over and over again, then it's not really going to appeal to you. Um, you know, so that, I guess that's where I was, I, it just made me think about it. I I don't know. I I still don't even know what's right. I I've been thinking about it all week, actually, since I picked up the game, just thinking about reviewing a game or, or critics in general and giving a score and then factoring in price. I, you know, it's just one of those things I, I don't know where to, because it definitely affects it and for consumers, obviously. So, and that's who, that's who critics are writing it for. So yeah, that's what I mean. It's just really hard for me to come to a conclusion. That's why I was wanting to ask you guys. I mean, like I said, for me, value is subjective. So it's yeah. really See hard for me to say that that should go into my score. Yeah, I, and I get that. I get that uh, standpoint. I just feel completely the opposite. <laughs> like, no, yeah. I mean, it's fine. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, because like I said, at the end of the day, and actually this was uh, something that came out of like our Mortal Kombat review where I think I gave it like a three out of five and it's not a three out of five game. Like Mortal Kombat was really well made. It's 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 super, right. super well done. But I just didn't see any scenario where it made sense to shell out 60 bucks for it when, you know, like I said, you know that like, a better, more complete version of it's going to come out uh, later that, at that same price point. Um, mm-hmm. And so that's where my head's at when I think a lot of this stuff. I, you, maybe what we should do is rope our developer in here. What do, you, <laughs> what, do you, what do you think, Teresa? Do you think that we should be factoring in price when we review a game, or do you think it should be irrelevant to the discussion? God, like, you know, I don't even think about that a ton. So it's really interesting to hear from your guys' perspectives and what it, what it kind of like, what, what I've been thinking about when you guys have been talking about this is like, I was recently emailed by this, uh, 
person in Indonesia who was telling me like, hey, look, your game is so expensive here. And that's because we use the default um, pricing that the stores, they, they, they extrapolate a price based on our USD and they figure out the prices for different countries. And right. if there's political turmoil or crazy economic stuff happening in, in a country like, like what's going on in Indonesia right now, like the stores may not have a appropriate price. So I was looking at the, the, what our game actually costs in Indonesia is almost as much as like your monthly utility bill, which is, you know, Jeez. that's a lot of money for someone. And like, it just makes me think about like, Oh, I mean, I, I guess it's like a little bit of a niche way to answer this question, but like a lot of reviewers, um, like I guess are coming from particular parts of the world that benefit from, you know, particular economies. And if you're going to think about price factoring into the review, like, I don't know. I think it just like, I think it kind of would skew places that don't have economic stability from like being able to participate in like, you know, coming up with a review if they're factoring in price that like sort of feels like it's in vibe with the rest of the, the world. So I mean, that's a good point. If like I lived in Venezuela, then like all the games would get a one. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that is zero. That is a really. They all get a zero. I'd, oh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'd never even go buy food. Consider. Yeah, that. exactly. Toilet paper. And you think of and like. It's crazy. Uh, oh, go ahead. Oh no, sorry. Well, I was just gonna say you think of like Australia, where for years and years and years, like every game in Australia is basically like the American equivalent of, of eighty dollars. Like that's just always how it's been yeah. there. And, um, and so I, I, yeah, I guess I'd never really considered that as, as part of, uh, as part of what I'm thinking about when I talk, my reviews are for white people in America. <laughs> Terrible. <laughs> no, that's, that's, that's not. God damn it, Jared. Ah, sorry. You are doing so well. <laughs> but no, actually that, that is an interesting take on it because like I said, I'd never really considered, um, price is something that does fluctuate, of course, from, from place to place. And, and sometimes, you know, like Teresa's saying, it can fluctuate very, very dramatically. A and back to kind of what Trevor's getting at, or, or I know what you've said before, at least, it's guaranteed to change here. Um, and so price, in my mind, isn't necessarily um, what it releases at and what it costs, but to some degree, it's just what the developer thought it was worth that I think mm -hmm. is, is worth factoring in. And so... You know, in the case of ARMS, Nintendo th thought that it was worth the full standard retail price of a game. And so to me, it should be, you know, graded in a comparative scale with other full retail uh, Why? Why are you expecting Nintendo to, what? like, understand right. well, so those I was going to say... I, I can't stay for too much longer, but the is that even is that even something you know? It's like I don't know I don't know the ins and outs of this whole system with regards to the video game industry at large. But aside from like indie titles, every game is sixty dollars. I mean, it's like no, I don't even know how they come no, no. out. There's with a that. lot of games that are coming out with those pricing. It's not there's there's some. You've got like there's you've some. got like the recores of the world that come out at like forty, you know, and stuff like that. Right. Yeah, Overwatch was 40. And, um, and so that's worth considering when you talk about a game. Uh, although Overwatch is a whole new level of complexity because it was 60 on the consoles. So who the hell knows? Like, I, I don't so know. So like uh, Hellblade, which is one of the games that I've been keeping track of and is coming soon. Um, it's going for 30 bucks, uh, which I'm not sure if that should concern me or not, but that's a different discussion. <laughs> But uh, so yeah, and it's, that's for Mincha Theory. So it's not an indie game by any means. Mm -hmm. Yeah, 
Yeah, it's it's more common than it used to be for sure. But yeah, it is but I, for sure. But yeah, I get your, but I get your point. But again, like I, a lot of times I'm just thinking periodically of like, what could you do with the same amount of money? Uh, and if you're like, hey Jared, should I buy Arms or Injustice Two? You should pretty obviously buy Injustice Two, even though you're still yeah. getting ripped off. <laughs> like, you should, <laughs> you should almost certainly buy that instead. Uh, at least if, as far as like how far you want to stretch that dollar. Conversely, though, maybe you really like people who have noodles for arms. And I mean, that's something worth factoring in that like I can never even consider. Um, right. So so I don't know. There there probably is no right answer there. Um, but to me, oh. I, maybe this is just the way my mind works, but I spend the majority of my time thinking what else could I be doing if I had spent my money differently or or the very least more wisely Um, Uh and uh, that's that's a lot of what i what i base my thoughts and and opinions on and it's what i base my playtimes on like i i don't play things that i feel like aren't serving as positive uses of my time sure one last question for you on arms how did you play it like uh what controller scheme i actually really enjoyed the motion controls and and to that game's credit like i i think they work really well i don't know what your experience was but I've never even tried it, honestly. I play so much. I mean, I love the Switch for the ability to just play it as a handheld. I mean, that's mm-hmm. the reason I bought it. That's the whole reason why I want it. I guess I can still play motion control with it handheld. Um, you know, I can set it up with its crazy little kickstand. But um, but yeah, I, I I haven't tried it. But now that you said that, I'll give it a shot. Yeah, I'd I'd give it a go and uh, and see what you think. Because um, I, th- I think it works really well. So awesome. worth, worth considering. All right, well we'll let we'll let Trevor escape and I mean we're 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 winding down here. But before we go, like I said, I wanted to touch base with you, Teresa. Um and maybe just talk a little bit about some of the other stuff that you've been up to. Because like I said, it's been a while since we've since we've seen you. And um it, it sounded like for a while there you were getting pretty deep into the VR world. How how did you find uh how did you find that? Oh, um yeah, I did I did a couple of VR projects uh in between Cannonball and uh Race for the Galaxy. And um I was sort of like stumbled into it because I was doing a lot of game jams and I did this Oculus VR jam and I I made an entry with my friends, I ended up winning and I wasn't sure what I was doing with my life. So I was like, I guess this is what I'm doing with my life <laughs> and um kept going with it. And uh and I think it it's such a cool space. Like VR is like this candy land of like design just like bounty like every everything you do you can't like you can't do anything without stumbling upon a new discovery or like doing something that no one has ever done before and as a designer that's really rewarding um but it's also super difficult and there's a million gotchas and things that don't work and yeah, i don't know it's a, it's a weird place to be mm-hmm. so um not to and and if you if you don't I don't know if this is a controversial thing to ask or if like if if there's some kind of like career suicide that, that pairs with it but so, <laughs> so feel free feel free not to answer this but uh but it sounds like you were working on the Oculus do you have a preference between it or the Vive? Uh yeah, people ask me that a lot. I actually really like both for different reasons. I know that's kind of like a cop out, but um like I think that. Like I was doing cross-platform development, so I was working on Gear 5 and Rift at the same time for uh, um, Bazaar, and I did the Ascension VR game, and um, and um, I really like the the Vive, like vibrancy, the colors, the like open philosophy that Valve's got going there. Um, 
And um, but I really like like the Oculus uh, team is down here and they're like super like supportive and um, great to developers and um, really responsive. And so like as a developer, I mean, they both they both were awesome for different reasons. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. And so you said you did two projects. One was a card game and what was the other one? Uh, the other one was this like roguelike um, game. It was a flying carpet game called Bazaar, and it was sort of like uh, this like very surreal, very like psychedelic, like vibrant colors. You're flying on a magic carpet. You're going around trying to like um, survive this labyrinth, and um, and that was kind of like this game that I had in my head since I was a kid, <laughs> and I always wanted to make it. So I kind of like. It was one of those fun things. You know, if you ever do a project that you've been thinking about since you were, like, little, it just feels really good to get it, to do it and tackle it. And mm-hmm. um, I don't know. I felt like I was connecting with my kid self. It was a very kid-friendly game, actually. I ended up bringing it to a lot of conventions, like Maker Fair and stuff like that. And actually, like, kids played it a ton, which was, like, kind of awesome because it was great. But it was kind of terrible because it's, like, that's totally not the market for VR at all. So this is going to be tough to make money. And it was, which is one of the reasons I'm uh, doing some mobile development to round things out right now. Now, I actually, I remember Bizarre, uh, now that I think about it. And one of the things specifically that I remember about it is um, y- you had uh, you had John Carmack, like, review <laughs> yeah, the game, that's right. didn't you? Yeah, he did a tech review. It was so cool. That's <laughs> super cool. Was he? I, I don't. Yeah, that's pretty cool. I don't specifically remember what he said in the review. Was he? Was was it pretty well received, or did he tear you to shreds, or like how did it go? No. <laughs> she said he was awesome. cool, Jared. Well, he I, was no, awesome. I, and like he, even, even he if, actually did two. He did the one written like blog essay thing, and then he did like a in person one because uh, we were at a conference together. So there was like a video one he did, and both of them were like really just like technically actionable feedback things of like how to how to optimize this or how to like you know get uh better like anti-aliasing here or how to um speed things along with this different compression mechanism that he was talking about here like they weren't even like a tech review sounds like oh it's gonna be like a pan or it's going to be lauding your thing or whatever. But it was like neither of those things. It was just like, Hey, I'm processing this thing and I'm going to give you all these ideas on how to make it better. And they're all really freaking solid, not fluffy, like just bam, bam, bam. And it was like the coolest thing that has ever happened to me. Yeah. Basically. No, I mean, well, that's, that's kind of. That's, <laughs> and we did a bunch of them. So, like, like to clarify, so, that's, that's so what he I doesn't meant care was, about price, is what you're saying. He didn't care about price. He didn't factor the price in at all. <laughs> but, but no, what I what I mean is what I meant originally when I when I asked the, the nature of the question. Like, I think if John Carmack shows up and is like, "Your game's shit and you're shit," I still think that's <laughs> I still think that's pretty cool. <laughs> like, yeah. Uh, yeah and, and so and so to hear that it didn't go that way is even better. Like, I'm even happier. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, it's, I'm, I, uh, I can't believe how generous that was just so generous for him to like really put effort into that. And, you know, obviously it's not like pure generosity. Like he's trying to get a thing going. He's trying to like, you know, be in some degree of an evangelist for VR and he's trying to stimulate the community of developers that are working on all their projects because they see the value and, um, sort of like sniping projects to like, uh, to sort of uh, engage with, like, it's a, it's a smart thing because, you know, like, 
you know, it gets published and it, it makes um, him look good. It makes the company, you know, Oculus look good and, you know, it makes us feel good. It makes us want to continue developing. So like, you know, it was just a wonderful thing all around. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And um, <laughs> I don't know if you saw, this is like totally random, but like uh, I had, I have some friends who are like huge Carmack fans and I had like asked my friends what I should carve on my Halloween pumpkin and they requested John Carmack. So I actually like carved a Carmack pumpkin and now I feel like sort of a weirdo, but it's on the internet. And it's a little bit weird, yes. <laughs> if the genders were reversed, uh, I think it might be uh, received more poorly, but I think you can carve whoever you want on a pumpkin and you're, you're probably fine. Um, but, yeah. But like Lucio can't carve like Scarlett Johansson in a pumpkin. Really? The police are like carving out a pumpkin that would be like a... I mean, I, I physically can't. That. This, is not, this is not talking well, yeah, about what is appropriate the, or yeah, not. That, that's actually also what I meant, is that Lucio doesn't have the artistic talent. Uh, so, I mean... <laughs> to carve, yeah. That's... I really want to see that. Can you do that, please? I, I kind of want to see what <laughs> your... Scarlet pumpkin. What your ScarJo pumpkin uh, comes out looking like. Um, I realize I never carve a pumpkin, right? You've never that's carved a pumpkin. You've never carved a pumpkin no. at all. No. Is that just because that's no. not something they do in Argentina? Right. And when I moved here, I was kind of already too old for it, and like my kids do it, uh, but I usually let my wife handle that because she's super artistic and will she. You, uh, will you carve one for us this year and have it be Scarlett Johansson? Please. Sure. Please. <laughs> Why not? It's really what we want. So. We usually go to this charity where they. Like they sell them and they give you camp carving stuff. So yeah, yeah. Uh, I'll, I'll buy an extra one and try to make a Scarlett Johansson pumpkin. Okay, we'll yeah. we'll we'll tweet it at Teresa and let her uh, revel in the majesty of Lucy, <laughs> Lucia's Scarlett Johansson <laughs> pumpkin. I believe in you. It's gonna be amazing. If it if it makes it easier for you, Lucio, I'll let I'll let you pick a celebrity and I'll carve the celebrity. Uh, sure, why not? Who do you want me to carve? I don't know. Let me think. Um, let's go with Kit Harrington since we, we've been talking about him. Okay, so you're gonna do a Scarlett Johansson uh, pumpkin, and I'm gonna do a Kit Harrington pumpkin. <gasps> oh, and wouldn't yep. they be such a lovely couple? They would we'll if to, he wasn't gay. We'll have to send them to to each other, uh, or you send me yours, and I'll put them together. I yeah, I don't think yeah. you can mail a pumpkin, but uh, but no. if, you, if you can, we should. But uh, I, I have no idea. Um, and then, so, but anyway, that was quite the diversion. But, uh, but, but <laughs> the, the other thing about pumpkins, sorry, one last thing before we, we forget. Yeah, no, one last thing about uh, they pumpkins. Don't, they don't last very long here. Like, oh, they last I could see that. Because of the humidity uh, and stuff. Humidity and the heat. Like, October here is still pretty hot, so. Yeah, that's true. Uh, yeah. They probably get pretty gross pretty quick. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, that was worth considering then. You're off the hook, but Kit, now I'm. I still want to see this. No, no, I'll, I'll still do it. No, it's just send a quick picture before. I'll just pretend that we <laughs> haven't uh, completely forgotten about this by October. <laughs> yeah, you need to like hold us accountable. Yeah, tweet. Uh, put it in a Gantt chart. Tweet. Put it in a Gantt chart and then put, put <laughs> yeah. it. There we go. Put it in a Gantt chart <laughs> and then shoot us shoot us a tweet when it's time and uh, we'll we'll deliver. We're good for it. <laughs> I haven't carved a pumpkin for a few years, so this will be a fantastic excuse to uh, show the world my rendition of, of Kit Harrington in pumpkin form. Like I see like people on the internet doing like this masterful pumpkins, and now I'm like, I know already. 
yeah, I, I, I don't even really know how to do like a good like I'll, all I have is like some butcher knives and stuff. So I, I'm not confident that this is going to turn out good, but uh, I, I don't know. We'll see. But um, well, hey, it was super good catching up with you, Teresa. I think you were I want to say you were our second guest. I was almost going to say. Oh, you, wow. I was almost going to say you were our first, but I, I think you were our second. Um, wow. So you would think that having said that, I would have remembered your gender, but nope, uh, (laughs) turns out. And actually, the majority of our guests are female, so I I should feel even worse (laughs) about my inability to get that right. You Um, should just say it was a test just to see if I was. I was just checking to make sure that you knew. Yeah. uh, You know, uh, it's a a common thing that people do in podcasts. It's a normal. Don't assume my gender. Yeah, well, that too. And so uh, that was, that was, I was checking to make sure that it was, you know, that you were going to call me out for assuming. Um, Is there anything that we didn't ask you about that you've just been like itching to talk about or, or anything that, uh, that comes to mind that you want the people to know or. Hmm. Um, get race for the galaxy and play. There you go. (laughs) Play play online with me. multiplayer. I guess we should mention it's on steam. Right. It's on Steam, it's on Android, it's on iOS, and um, uh, yeah, for tablets and phones, Any, super fun. Yeah, and I mean, like I said, the, the game runs great. Uh, it's easily the best way to uh, learn how to play something like that, like for sure. I can, I can tell you as someone who couldn't play Race for the Galaxy, um, if you get a digital version, you, you will be able to figure it out. It becomes much more approachable than trying to read a rule book or, or, or anything along those lines. Um, so definitely, definitely check it out. Um, but yeah, uh, so take a look at that. Maybe go back and try all the VR stuff too. Why not? Get, get it all. The, hell, go download Cannon Brawl if you didn't play that because we love Cannon Brawl. Yeah, Cannon Brawl. So, all right. Well, hey, thanks for coming on. Uh, you're of course welcome back anytime. You don't have to release a game either. So if you just if there's something happening that you want to just be like, man, fuck that, um, which doesn't sound like something you'd say. But if you needed to, just let us know, and uh, you're you're always welcome back. Yeah, have a final really proclamation. Oh, oh, Jay. Uh, why not? Uh. <laughs> he says RPG Maker Fez will be a great game. RPG Maker Fez. Yes. Is that Fez, like the Phil Fish No, game? Fez is in Persona 3, Fez. Oh, I, I don't know. I don't know what that <laughs> means either. It was the re-release with the extra... No, never mind. Uh, yeah, it's it's lost on me. But RPG Maker's or great. too much of a nerd to know, or not enough of a nerd. I don't know which one. I think but not, one of the two. I think not enough. I feel like... Uh, <laughs> yeah, I think you... you you're right, probably. And I say that as someone who knows some pretty nerdy things. Uh, I say that as somebody who tried to carry on a conversation about charts tonight. So, yes, sir. Um, so to to then go and say I'm not nerdy enough or something that really says something about Jay. How about be a damn pretty uh, role playing game? All right. Well, if you uh, if you want to follow Teresa and uh, and her future works with uh, Race for the Galaxy or what is sure to be her Dominion port, uh, <laughs> don't say that. You, you, you can follow Temple underscore Games uh, on Twitter. Um, Temple underscore Gates or Gates. That's right. Did I say Games? Ah, I fucked yeah. up. I'm fucking everything up. Yes, Temple Gates Games. So, uh, but just Temple underscore Gates, and you can follow her. 
and see all of the latest. Are you going to do all the expansions? Is that what you're anticipating? That's the plan. That's the plan? Cool. All right, great. Well, actually, I'm definitely interested in that because I've never played three of them. So that'll be great. But, I'm waiting uh, to see for the, the expansion where the AI kills us all. <laughs> the yeah. apocalypse one. Yeah. If you, uh, you want to follow us, uh, you can do that at The Enemy Slime on Twitter and Facebook. Uh, if you're not already, I would love to have you go subscribe to us on iTunes or uh, Android, any of the any of those services that you can find. Um, and I should mention, we do not have a podcast next week uh, because we will be busy uh, celebrating the birth of this great nation um, or something like that. Uh, but if you are a Patreon subscriber, you will get a collection of pre-shows, uh, so you'll, you'll still be able to get your fix uh, that week if you're so inclined. Uh, but we will be back on, what, the 11th, or I guess the 12th, technically. So uh, we'll see you guys then, and I think with that, we are...